This episode of How I Built It is brought to you by two great sponsors. The first is our season-long sponsor. Liquid Web has been best known as a managed hosting company with tons of options. It's also designed a managed WordPress offering that is perfect for mission-critical sites. If you're looking for improved performance, maximized uptimes, and incredible support, Liquid Web is the partner you've been looking for. Every Liquid Web managed WordPress customer has iTheme Sync integrated into their managed portal, allowing them to update several sites with a single touch. Liquid Web hosts all of my critical websites and I couldn't be happier with them. If you sign up today, using the discount code HOWIBUILTIT33, you get 33% off for the next six months. Visit buildpodcast.net slash liquid to get started. That's buildpodcast.net slash liquid. It's also brought to you by Modern Tribe, the WordPress artisans behind the events calendar, event tickets, and a full suite of event management plugins. With over 8 million downloads and counting, these folks know how to build things the WordPress way. Today, we're continuing our conversation on plugin development with Brian Hogg, author of several WordPress plugins, including his Events Calendar newsletter plugin that integrates with the Events Calendar by Modern Tribe. One of the great things about Modern Tribe is that their plugin team builds code with other developers in mind. Not only do they encourage folks to build customizations and extensions, but they also have loads of documentation to help you out. If you're working on a project using the WordPress REST API, make sure you check out the all-new REST API endpoints they've built into the events calendar to help you take your event data to the next level. The events calendar plugin is available for free on the .org repo. If you need advanced calendar features, they've got several paid add-ons available at buildpodcast.net slash events. And that includes access to premium support. While you're checking out all of their plugins at buildpodcast.net slash events, make sure you use the code HOWIBUILTIT, all one word, to save 20% on any of the premium add-ons through the rest of the year. That's buildpodcast.net slash events and use the code HOWIBUILTIT, all one word, to save 20%. Hey everybody, welcome back to part two of my interview with Brian Hogg. Uh, We continue our conversation about Brian building his pro plugins, but also peppering in there just advice about plugin development in general. I know last week we left you with the cliffhanger of uh, grunt and gulp and build tools and things like that. So we're going to pick up with that, Uh, but we're also going to talk about, you know, how to choose what features to put in a free version of a plugin and what features to put in the pro version of it. Architecting freemium software and how to combat shiny object syndrome. Uh, That and more on part two of my interview with Brian Hogg up now. So without further ado, on with the show. Nice. So first you mentioned grunt. So I'd love to, as part of this, the answer to this question, how did you build it? What kind of tools do you use? Because, uh, I mean, I'm a front-end developer, and front-end development is not just writing HTML and CSS anymore. It's no. like, <laughs> got to get Grunt or Gulp and Compass and maybe, and if you do <laughs> React, you need a million things. So 
Uh, what's what's kind of your <laughs> development stack look like? Yeah, um, no, I mean, I, I really try to keep it as simple as possible. I definitely use Git, obviously, for, for version control and have that. Um, and I create a little uh, script, which I, I show as part of the course, just to be able to go, say, Git push production master, automatically create the zip. Um, I could then link that up to say EDD and automatically release the the pro version, but really I like to take that zip, test it first. (laughs) I don't want it to do too much (laughs) all at once. But yeah, essentially packages it all up, so I've got that script. But no, a lot of it's really PHP Storm. I've switched from VVV, which I just found was getting pretty slow, even on a 16 meg MacBook uh, Pro. It was just getting a a little, felt bloated under Vagrant. Uh, So now I'm using Local by Flywheel as kind of the local thing and you know very easy to spin up a new development site and uh one click button you can pop into ssh or uh or the database or whatever you need so i've got that yeah grunt is just kind of silently working in the background and just syncing any changes that come up between uh the so basically if i make a version of a change to the free version it'll automatically sync over into the core folder of the pro and that again, they're in two separate Git repos, so then I can just push the changes uh, separately as as required. So yeah, I mean that's PHP Storm has been a great editor. I think I overheard someone mention it at uh, WordCamp Toronto, the first one that I <laughs> ever went to, and uh, I've been kind of stuck on it since Zend. What was I using? I think the Zend. Uh, Zend frame. Yeah. Yeah, oh, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you run that for more than like an hour, and your computer is just done. <laughs> so. Oh, I know. My f- man. My first programming language is from college, and it was uh, Java. And Mm. so I used Eclipse. And Eclipse, for those of you who don't know, is a destroyer of laptops. (laughs) Just like, I don't know if they've optimized it in like the seven years since I haven't touched it. But man, I went like that made me go the complete opposite. I'm like, give me Adam. It's just a text editor with some nice little packages for Git and stuff like that. But yeah man, oh done. man yeah um, <laughs> but php storm has been great in terms of its feature but also you know relatively lightweight in terms of memory like i've just i never had it yeah. bogged down uh on me awesome. and uh, has a lot of good wordpress support so yeah cool I definitely recommend cool. that one nice yeah and then you mentioned local by flywheel one of my favorite tools ever right now yep <laughs> cool very cool yeah i like i like this it is really light um it reminds me of something that uh pippin williamson said he said as far as his development stack goes and his machine, if he dropped his laptop into a lake right now, he wanted to be able to get up and running as quickly as possible. And yes. so he keeps things pretty light, which is I, I like that a lot because, I mean, it's it's, you know, it's really easy. I've used like a starter theme that required like Bauer. And all of the things that Bower requires, but then also Compass, like like compiling SAS took 17 seconds. Wow. And I'm like, this is wonderful. I'm sure it does just a lot of things. And I don't need any of those things. <laughs> so. Well, it's like I tried CodeKit for a bit. I was thinking, oh, I should, you know, instead of having Grunt running in a terminal tab, yeah. I should use something like CodeKit or whatever, and you just fire it up. But yeah, I just I could not get it to do even just the basic things, and I just yeah, that's 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 exactly right. Like I was like, yeah, okay, like oh, this will great. So this will run like Compass for me and and compile my SAS, and that's neat. It'll automatically refresh the active tab that I'm working on, but like 
do I really need all that? <laughs> no, I sometimes like, I actually don't want, right? Because if I'm making a yeah. change to something in the back end, right? I don't want right. it to refresh the whole thing. I just right. want to click the button again and then look at the uh, the console uh, of the browser and see what changes yeah. were made of the output, right? So, yeah, yeah, sometimes you don't want it to be too smart. <laughs> yep. So, and, and the moral of this story, if it sounds tangential to people listening, is uh, choose choose the right tools. <laughs> and And they've got to be what works for you. So... That's very cool. So, uh, so we talked about the tools. We talked about Git. Now, submitting uh, to the WordPress plugin repo yes. uh, requires SVN. It sure does. So maybe you can, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Let's say I've never submitted a plugin to the repo before, and I want to. What's like the top three or five pieces of advice you would give me uh, <laughs> or the things that I need to know? Yes. So I have another article on that on brianhog.com, which, yeah, basically so what I do is there are tools uh, that you can use just solely Git. So there are ones where you do like a Git push, whatever. It'll like check out your SVN repo. It'll pull in your changes from Git. It'll package it up. It'll push it. It'll do everything for you. For me, I, again, I found that, okay, you know what? I want, to, I want a little more control. Like not, you know, I don't need all the control. But so what I've done is I've taken the Git repo. I put it into the trunk folder that you get uh, when you get your SVN repository. So I can go into that trunk folder uh, inside, I guess, the SVN folder structure, do a Git pull. And then that way now I can uh, see all the changes that have been made, do an SVN status, and then just do, you know, SVN add for any new files, and then svnci-m, and then whatever message. And then I can go back, and you could you could actually do it in one step where you then uh, just add the files and then copy your trunk and create a tag and mm -hmm. uh, do that. And that's documented on, you know, the wordpress.org uh, svn instructions, but I also did that in the article because sometimes you just want to make a change to, say, your readme. Right. You're not making right. any code right. changes. You just want to, you know, maybe there's a typo or something. You don't want to go nuts and make a change every two seconds to, yeah. to tweak because it does cause actually a rebuild of all of your versions and the zip file. So it does put a lot of strain on the .org server, which has happened a few times where people will thrash it, so to speak. Yeah. But yeah, basically, if you want to make a change to the readme, you have to change it in the trunk and then copy it over into your tag for it to be visible on there. So just all these little things. And I think there is actually a new a new Git script, which will, you know, detect that in Git, you only made a change to the readme and not create a new tag for you. Because you don't want to create a new tag just for a readme change, right? Right, right, um, right. So, so just to, to take it back for a second, in terms of SVN and the WordPress repo, or maybe SVN in general, I'm not that familiar with it. Trunk is essentially like the master branch, right? So Trunk exactly. is the is the latest version of the completely working production code right yes uh well and no then, it can, no it can be your uh development branch actually so gotcha okay in your readme file you specify the stable tag that it is right so if gotcha. you so you update stuff in just trunk and you shouldn't use your again your svn repository as a development thing right you know you you can the odd time and just when you're pretty much ready and you just want to have some people test it you can you can push you know one <laughs> kind of push yeah. and that's that should be a fine, uh, but you don't want to be doing your live development changes in trunk. But if you do, it's it's you know fine. But you should have your tags, which then you know are, are versioned, uh, version one, one point one, whatever, two point oh, and then once you're ready to actually release it, you copy trunk into a new tag and make sure that your readme stable tag is updated. If that stable tag doesn't exist, 
in the tags folder it'll then it'll use trunk because then it'll be like oh gotcha. you're version 2.6 but there is no version tag 2.6 we'll use trunk right. because we don't know what else to do so yeah gotcha that makes sense so so trunk is is kind of where you're you're writing the code and then when you're ready to move it to production good practices to move it to a new uh essentially if i'm using again github terms a new sure. branch that's called that's tagged yep. the latest stable version yeah which is literally copying like you use svn copy but essentially mm -hmm. you're just literally copying trunk into tag slash 1.1 or whatever gotcha. right so yeah that's yeah. how you're tagging then, it yeah theoretically you should not be like once it's moved to a tag right theoretically you might not want to touch that again no and you shouldn't uh, because if right. you if you edit the code in say that tag after you've done uh an svn push or a git you know the equivalent of like a git yeah. push um right. it won't you know people who have already downloaded that tag in that version won't get an update right so gotcha. you know if any time that there's any change that you want people to, even if you you know discovered the bug an hour ago you right. know and you're releasing you you, ha you need to do a new tag uh, every time and that's where you get those you know 2.5.1 2, 2 3 4 5 6, you know? right, although we have right, to like right. 15 because you know yeah. this, it just happens <laughs> right yeah absolutely uh, man okay so that's that's actually so i just learned something today perfect Good. i mean i i generally learn on every show but this was <laughs> this was a process i actually thought i knew and and so that is that's some really good information especially if you if you do want to release to the WordPress plugin repo, and, and this is this is a really great follow-up point, right? So you have your pro plugin, which is hosted on your website. Correct. And then you have the free version on the repo. Uh, is there is there like a, a big benefit to having your plugin on the WordPress repo? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I well, it's funny because I scheduled the or, or structured the course to do the pro version first uh, and the reason behind it. And so and just for, if you haven't heard of the course, it's making pro plugins to just help launch and grow a WordPress plugin. But I just decided to do pro first because then you can just, you know, get it out there. If you've already written the plugin for a client. You can just get it out there and you have a mm -hmm. site. And now if someone just asks you, you know, maybe word of mouth or they just stumble upon it somehow, boom, you know, you can just send them to the website and they could buy it right away. You're good to go. But man, like from the people in the mastermind and for pretty much everyone I talked to, like, like one guy actually thought, uh, you know, he was thinking, yeah, you know what, I'm doing all this content marketing, you know, so I think, you know, about 50, 50, you know, 50% of my sales are coming from traffic from the repo and 50% is coming from all this content marketing and YouTube and articles and all this other stuff that he's doing. Now it turns out it was closer to 80 to 90% was coming from .org. Wow. <laughs> the other 10% was, you know, the results of his year years essentially of effort in, yeah. in content marketing which again it depends on your plugin depends mm -hmm. on the market right like if you can if you can find a you know a vertical and you can target them and and, right. and you know it can be a lot more effective than that but man yeah org is is by far because just think that's just millions of people who might never uh even be touching google are just able to go to plugins add new uh they're able to uh you know search find your plugin try it uh, develop some trust in, the, in yeah. that, you know, you created something that's adding some value. Uh, yeah. Hopefully you're not too naggy and then like, hey, you can't do anything with this, you know, but right. but until right. you upgrade, you know, you're, you're giving them at least some value. And then, uh, you know, the, the trust is there. And then so basically the traffic that's coming there, A, they know they have WordPress. 
Because a lot of times it's a business yeah. owner, maybe, who who doesn't even know what platform they're on and, and just yeah. is Googling and has no clue if they have WordPress. So they know they have WordPress. They're they're coming right from, you know, the your free version. Uh, they've either a lot of times people will see the features in the the readme or the description and just automatically go to your plugin from there. But a lot of times again, they've installed your plugin, they tried it, and you've got some subtle nice little upgrade links, you know, in inappropriate spots. Yeah. So again, they've, they've tried your plugin, they know your plugin, <laughs> you know, and, and they just, they, they know they need this feature. And then at that time, at that point, they're just making a decision. Is your price worth it to me or not? So that's why that, that traffic is so uh, qualified and valuable. And yeah, so it, it really is uh, silly not to do a free version, but then again, there have been instances like Learn Dash and some other ones where, again, he has right. a lot of uh, marketing, you know, like he was doing a blog for many months. So he had a mail, a big mailing list he could launch to. So he was able to, you know, that's one example of someone who's who's done a lot of the, the separate marketing and has built it up that way. But, yeah, no, having that free version can can definitely be hugely valuable uh, yeah, for, for your business. Absolutely. Yep. And Learn Dash specifically, uh, if you... Are listening and you want to learn more about the Learn Dash story? Uh, I will link to uh, Justin Ferriman's episode. He has of Learn Dash. I'll link to that because he he touches on a lot of that. How he kind of had a blog and just kind of blogged about online courses and LMSs and gathered information, and then about a year later started building a plugin. So you just see that you know you see Learn Dash Gravity Forms is another one, but then you have ninja forms they're very popular and they've got the free one on the repo and uh they probably get a lot more eyeballs i don't mm -hmm. know if they get more paying customers but they certainly get more eyeballs on their plugin so yep. so to circle this back to uh to uh events uh, uh your plugin events calendar Event calendar newsletter is one. Event yep. calendar newsletter, man. Yep. <laughs> well, it's funny because there's the events calendar shortcode as well. So yeah, they're all kind right, of right. Yeah, and I was like mixing them all up in my head. So <laughs> event calendar, events calendar newsletter. You've got the two versions. Uh, what are some of the aside from splitting off the two versions? What are some of the major transformations the plugin's gone through since it launched? Yeah, so I mean, it it really just supported the one calendar. So adding mm -hmm. more support for other calendars uh, was yep. was the strategy. What, Sorry, when you say the one calendar, is that oh, like okay. the proper name? So well, yeah, the one calendar. No, yeah. it was literally just supporting a calendar. <laughs> so gotcha. I see. Uh, what I was see. it? It was called uh, Ajax Calendar. Was what he was using. Okay. He's since switched okay. as well to the Events Calendar, and Ajax Calendar isn't even on the repo anymore. But yeah, so it was just supporting that one. So I added support for others. Uh, eventually I had to stop where I'm like, okay, uh, any new calendars are now going to be pro only because there are some specific ones. Like there's one that's yeah. for the, uh, this, this one theme that Templatic uh, runs and, and a couple other ones that uh, vent on, you know, so, so there are calendars that are, you know, that are usually paid calendars that, you know, have specific needs. So I'm like, you know what, like for me to offer that support, it's going to be in the, in the pro only, but that used to be not a cutoff. Usually just, you know, all the calendars are free, but stuff like uh, automation with MailChimp and, and whatnot was the pro. So that was a huge one as well, where I, I really wanted to have it where it could automate and automatically inject uh, the events into MailChimp. But I mean, their API has gone through a lot of transformations in the last few months and years. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, do I, you know, like, yeah, I could add it to the API, but I'm sure that's going to be a bit of a headache and stuff. So yeah, I just came up with the idea. Oh, I could actually create like an RSS feed and then have that pump in 
to MailChimp. And MailChimp has some pretty decent support for, uh, for, for RSS feeds. And turns out a lot of the other ones like ActiveCampaign and, and AWeber and whatnot also do as well. So that in one fell swoop was able to add some, uh, some of this automation support in the pro version for a lot of different email clients. So yeah, coming up with them like, oh, I could totally do this. You know, instead of messing with the API and having this huge thing, I could still have that same value uh, and make it easy. You know, you just copy and paste the the exact thing or like with MailPoet, it's like a little short code. You just copy and paste into your into your email and then it just makes it really easy to just automatically suck in those events every time you send a campaign uh, without having to, to do any copying and pasting. So yeah, that was a huge uh, transformation when that launched uh, that, that definitely started to kick it up uh, quite a bit. Nice. So, uh, so I'm looking at the website right now and you, you have, you know, integrations with a whole lot of, of things, MailChimp, AWeber, ActiveCampaign, uh, and then some of these pro calendars you mentioned. Yep. So do you have like a pro subscription to each of these so you can test it? Or is there like a sandbox area where you can test? <laughs> it depends. Yeah. I mean, I've got yeah. some automated tests for uh, the events calendar and I want to add some more for others. But no, some of them, uh, you know, they're just like, oh, here's a pro version. Like I've become friends with a lot of the owners of these calendars, which is kind of cool. So, you know, like one based in Canada, one I'm like, oh, cool, you're moving where now? <laughs> you know, like to, So it's nice keeping in touch with kind of the owners of these calendars. So they've been super helpful in terms of a, adding the integration and even optimizing it uh, depending. So no, they're all kind of, I'll basically just, you know, again, to keep it simple and rather than have a bunch of different, even in local by flywheel, which makes it easy to spin up different sites. Why do that? I can just have them all in, uh, in kind of one and then activate and deactivate depending on which one that I'm testing or developing against. That has caused a couple issues because some are overzealous in their, their data writing <laughs> and everything. So, yeah. uh, but for the most part, it, it works uh, quite well. They, they keep it separate and, you know, they're, they're not overlapping with each other at all, really. So. Cool. Very cool. And then uh, did you mention that you have some automated tests? Yep. So I've, uh, yeah, so there's a test folder and yeah, it's just automating some, especially some of the important stuff. Uh, like if mm -hmm. the RSS feed format breaks now, I, you know, that just right. breaks uh, automation for, for right, all the people right. that are using that. Right. So I try to keep the important stuff uh, under, under some automation tests, but it, it took a bit to figure out because it's not just, you know, a unit test where I'm just testing. Yeah. There, there are some of those. But a lot of it is is pulling in, you know, the calendar plugin in addition to right. my plugin and then testing that the two integrate together. So, yeah, that can be a, a bit of a, a hurdle <laughs> to get PHP yeah, yeah. Unit and everything else to work with it. But worth it because, uh, yeah, it just helps test all these things without having to fire up every calendar and, and test everything individually. Absolutely. And I mean, you want to find, you know, you want to find the issues before your customers find the issues. So, mm -hmm. um, so what do you use for yeah right so what do you use for automated testing uh php storm has integration with with php in it so yeah nice. you can just you can just run the tests right within uh php storm and and have it uh, run that give you the report and then it it was a little buggy for a bit um and actually I'd, i literally just installed the latest version so i haven't run the test yet but it was having some issues with uh you know like you would click on the test that failed and instead of taking you to the test, it would take you to like their internal code for the assertion or something, which oh, wow. was of no use <laughs> to yeah. anyone. So uh, I think they fixed that now where it actually takes you to the line in your test that's failed yeah. and then you can kind of back out from there. So Awesome. Very cool. Well, automated testing is something I'm so interested in learning more about. 
had a really good conversation with Daniel Bachuber when he was on the show about all sorts of stuff like that. Cause I mean, he makes WPCLI, so you need to properly test those. <laughs> Is there a course for that? That sounds like a good course idea. That's <laughs> not, I know, right? We're both going to write that. Down. <laughs> <laughs> Who will get it first? We'll see. Yeah. Right. Um, well, since, <laughs> since you're doing them, I'll, I'll deflect to you and I'll take the course when it's uh, out. Oh, great. Go. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. And so what are your plans for the future of, uh, of this plugin? Yeah, so um, I mean, I'm just adding new features. Like I just added, uh, often requested, uh, full calendar view uh, to the short code. So before it was just a list, now it actually fires up full calendar uh, if you want that, and, and shows your events, whichever events that you want to show. For that one, yeah, just listening to customers and and coming up with ideas on that. But uh, definitely have the the itch. It's like, oh, do you, you want to start another plugin or the course and whatnot? So yeah, I, I try to keep it where it's you know one week on one thing and then another week on another thing, because flipping back and forth between a bunch of different stuff can be a little little taxing on the brain. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and actually, this is a great uh, follow up question to that because you do have a few plugins. You have the courses. I'm sure you're working on probably other things based on conversations we've had. How do you how do you determine what is a good idea to pursue <laughs> and then how do you allocate time to actually pursue it? <sighs> yeah, I mean for the for the course it was probably a few months of well A being like who who should I who am I to actually build this course? I'm not Pippin. <laughs> I'm not, you know, I'm not like the godfather of, uh, of, of WordPress plugin development, but, <laughs> but yeah, luckily a lot of good advice and being like, Oh, well, you've, yeah, you've been doing it for less time. So you remember what it's like to start. So you're kind of a, maybe a better wow. candidate for doing some of that stuff. So, but no, I, it really was blocking out. Like I have a, uh, the between two posts podcast for WordPress and, you know, a due to some scheduling issues, but B being just like, I need to focus on this one thing. You know, I, I stopped you know, I stopped going to co-working spaces because I can't really record the course videos from there. Right. So right. yeah, just really kind of irked out. Uh, and, and thanks to having the plugins as well, I was able to kind of cheers to them during that time and have them kind of, you know, do, do their thing in the background and then work on the course, uh, during that time. So yeah, it's really just once I do actually decide to do it, then it's just blocking that out in the calendar and, and being forceful about it. Cause there's, there's so many easy ways to say yes to things and then you're saying no to other stuff. Mm -hmm. So, and plus then, you know, as, as you've realized, uh, I'm sure if you say yes to too many things and too many things creep up, then you have less time with family and everything else. So, yeah, yeah but it can, it can be a challenge for sure because uh shiny object syndrome and uh, <laughs> you just think everything because at the end of the day i want to help as many people as possible so if someone comes with a suggestion. I'm like, that's amazing. I want to add it right away, but it's going to take yeah. a while you know, again, that's deferring other things that will help other right. people. So, yeah, it's a balance. Yeah, yeah. Yep. The uh, the classic, oh, I could just write a plugin <laughs> that does that. Sure, you could. But it's not as easy yeah. as you think it's going to be. You know, that's that's what I need to tell myself. And then you need to test it. And then what are you going to do? You can't just release it and then no, expect exactly. people to use it. So, <laughs> yeah, you got you to gotta, you gotta go through a checklist of things like, you know, is this something I want to put my time towards? what will suffer if i yeah. do and just because you can like do it doesn't so. mean like you said i mean it's not all about enjoyment obviously part of it is you know it's it's so you're doing something business-wise for income so it's not all going to be unicorns and roses and rainbows and everything <laughs> there's some some hard work regardless <laughs> but yeah no there was one uh i think it was Hugh cloud he wrote a book on like uh, ignore everybody and and 29 other things to creativity i can't remember the exact title i met him when i was at a, a thing in miami and 
he was all about uh like he does little cartoons on the back of uh, business cards and he's been doing this for years and okay. you know there's a whole story as to why he does it and everything else but his thing is like well if, if someone wants to just either copy it or start something or, or whatever that someone else is kind of doing and they think oh i could just write that i could do that better he's just like well good luck to you you know because it took me you know so many years to get to where i am you know, I did it because I enjoyed it and I iterated through it and I learned an experience. You're just doing it because you have this selfish vendetta, you know, thing where you just want to just make some money and just be good at it right away. So good luck, you know, slogging through all these years essentially to get to, to where yeah. I am now. So yeah, it can be, it can be tough. And, uh, Syed, uh, actually just mentioned this in the WP roundtable podcast recently, uh, I think last week where he's just like, yeah, like they wanted to acquire a foreign's plugin. <laughs> they didn't want to rewrite it. Another one, you know, cause they knew the work that was involved was, was quite, was quite large. Yeah. So, um, but you, no one wanted to, to sell <laughs> none of the ones that they wanted to acquire wanted to sell. So. They had no choice and they had to write one from scratch. It's worked out well for them, but definitely a lot more work uh, than it would have been to to just take an existing one and then iterate and improve uh, on that. So, yeah, definitely need to question what's uh, what's a good use of your time, you know, what, what you think you'll enjoy now and, and, you know, for the foreseeable future and uh, just kind of go for it. Nice. I love that. That sounds like a <laughs> trade secret, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Do you, do you have any trade secrets for us? I guess it's, I don't know. I mean, it's just listening to customers. I've just found has always been uh, the biggest thing for me. And just and just genuinely being or wanting to help people, right? Because if you're just doing it for selfish reasons, then yeah. that's it. people are going to see through that pretty quick, I think. I, yeah. I do, for sure. <laughs> if, if you encounter anyone who's doing it, it's oh, so absolutely. obvious that they're just kind of doing it for, for their own needs and they don't really care if it actually helps you. They just want you to buy whatever they're selling. So I don't know. Yeah. I hope hopefully everyone listening to this podcast generally wants to help people. So maybe not a trade secret, but something that uh, definitely don't lose focus on uh, in the nitty gritty bits of things. Yeah, absolutely. Especially because, you know, if you're going to dedicate the time required to build a plugin or build a course or build a product, it's something you really need to be passionate about if you want to yep. do it. Right. And there, there have so. been some course ideas that have become like maybe collaborating with someone else. But if it's not like the thing that you do or, or want to, you know, learn about and then in turn teach it, it can be it can be a tough sell, you know, to, to a go through that effort and create right. it and then also be able to support and market and everything else afterwards. So, um, yeah. Absolutely. Well, uh, so I did not prep you, uh, and this is being recorded before season three came out. So I have added a new segment in season three called Ooh. the Fast Five, and I'm going to ask you five questions. You just give me your gut reaction, oh, your geez. gut answer. I did to this on my good. podcast, and I always prepared people. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I know I forgot to mention it. it. Like it was, I don't include it in the show notes. It's new. It's experimental, uh. you know. <laughs> So these are hopefully easy questions. I'm not going to ask you like any tough. <laughs> How much money do you make? Yeah, right. That's like rude. So, uh, so question number one: oh, What's, what's your favorite, favorite book? Jeez, oh, um, it's whatever I'm reading at the time. Actually, there's one uh, Eleanor and Park, a fiction yes. novel. Yeah, that uh, that I read recently, and it's funny because I read on the Kindle, right? So a lot of times you forget which book you're reading because yeah. you never see the cover, <laughs> you never close the book right, yeah. and then look at the cover. So I'm like, oh, there was this great right. book about this thing in Japan, and they were great. And were, what's it called? I don't know. I'll have to pull yeah. up Kindle and then look. And even don't looking remember, at the covers, yeah. I still have no clue. I have to dive into it and stuff. So yeah, I don't know. That was one of yeah. my favorite. I've been reading a lot less 
business type books and uh, uh, just getting advice from other people. So yeah, mostly fiction to wind down at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. I've man, I've been trying to really dig in on, on more fiction. I think last year I read like three fiction books and I read like 20 books. So I'm trying to kind of alternate between fiction and nonfiction. So yeah. Uh, What is your favorite uh, electronic? No question. Uh, I have a, I have a podcast uh, about that. I've been to actually try, I went to like uh, ADE in Amsterdam, uh, EDM biz for a couple of years in Vegas to try and, uh, you know, just again, see if I, I could help people, you know, I'd, I'd meet a lot of artists and labels yeah. and everything where it's like, Oh, I've got this song that was listened to hundreds of thousands of people and clubs and stuff, but you know, I didn't get anything for it because they don't do any tracking of the music. Right. So now they're, I'm still lightly involved mm-hmm. in it and on a couple of committees, but, uh, yeah, just trying to get just music recognition technology, like, hello, Shazam, <laughs> you know, like it, we've, we've got the technology. It's yeah, not that hard right, right. to just know what songs are being yeah. played and then pay that's, the people who made it. Right. So anyway, yeah. Right. Uh, electronic music. Yeah, by far. Absolutely. That's awesome. That's a, a game show now too. Jamie Foxx <laughs> is like the host. It's called, uh, like, are you smarter <laughs> than Shazam or something? Like it's. Well, I don't know, man. I, I played that weird, in uh, but... when I worked because I'm half British, <laughs> so I worked in England for a while. And they're like, "Oh, you're yeah. you're good at that game." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm good at the game." Because growing up, I could totally hear a couple notes and do that. And then, uh, and then in England, yeah. they'd be like, "Oh, here's the song." I'm like, "I I have no clue. I never never heard that song growing no, up." So I'm sorry. Song. Trivia nights and bars <laughs> just never worked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Number three. What's your favorite food? I'm vegetarian, so I guess veggies. <laughs> but actually, I eat fish. Right. So basically, anything <laughs> my wife cooks because uh, she's she's a really good. She cooks, nice. I clean, a, and we we have a good, uh, good we have a good rapport nice. there. And nobody wants me, you know, except for I don't even know an omelet. I'm really good at an omelet, but other than that, <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> nice, nice. See, I'm a hundred percent Italian, so I am a good right. cook when I cook. <laughs> Uh, I don't even have confidence that I could boil fresh pasta, so (laughs) I've lost my confidence now. I just enjoy the food. (laughs) I'll call my mom with questions, and I'll be like, hey, what do I, you know, like I'm making like your lasagna. What do I do? How much should I? She's like, just use what you think is right. And I'm like, that's like every Italian, like every Italian mom. (laughs) Just just add stuff. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah, right. Use as much cheese as, as does that look good? That's, <laughs> Maybe add a little that, more, that you know, good. just in Use case. Some, some might melt off yeah. and you want it to <laughs> yeah, be right. whatever, so. right? So at least that's a better answer than just stop. You're never so. going to be able to be as good as me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> but hey, it works. It works. Uh, she makes the best lasagna. Every Italian uh, ha- is obligated to say that their mother yes. makes the best something. And my mother nice. makes the best lasagna. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, all right. Who is your favorite sports team or don't athlete? I really watch sports. I kind of just hop on, you know, at, at the playoffs. I lived in Montreal for a while, so mm-hmm. I, I guess I'll say Montreal Canadians because it was definitely fun being there. Nice. Uh, one time they were in the playoffs when I lived there. So, yeah. And my wife likes Toronto Maple Leafs. Nice. So, you know, it's like this rivalry thing, okay. whatever. So, yes, I did. I did watch a lot nice, of football nice. when I was uh, in I England, know- but I could not tell you who the players are or <laughs> what the teams are. Gotcha. This is, this is exactly, uh, football yes. in the British. Uh, with, shows, with, right? the like, yeah. okay. <laughs> yes, with the feet. With the feet. With or without feet. That's a, I don't want to, I don't want to disparage uh, the Canadian heritage, but I, I love how I met your mother. And so I chuckled a little bit that both teams yes, you mentioned were hot. <laughs> and uh, I watch <laughs> it while eating poutine. I mean, that's just how it rolls, right? Of course. Yeah, of course. Yep. So, 
Yep. So I guess I shouldn't worry too much. I just spent like 30 seconds talking about right? every Italian stereotype <laughs> I knew. So, yeah. So it's okay. And then the last question. I'm going to pose this question okay. to you the way it was posed to me. If you couldn't work with computers for a living, what would you do? That's so funny because I would say I'm the most social computer nerd you'd ever meet. <laughs> and that was a huge struggle <laughs> to – because like basically the yeah. – you know. It, to try and keep up on the latest and greatest code, whatever, you, you know, what was it? Uncle Bob, I think, says you should spend 20 to 30 hours a week on top of your 40 hours a week at the job to like, you know, to, to always be practicing and always, I'm like, whoa. So that's, that's another, you know, eight yeah. hours on Saturday and two to three hours every, I, what? I can't do that. I don't know. Yeah. I think teach. Um, I mean, I do a lot of that stuff with, uh, you know, I've, I've taught a course at the college level, um, you know, to which, which went all right. <laughs> and then uh, it was, it's interesting because it's, you know, instead of someone buying your course and taking it or, or, you know, seeing and choosing to see it on Linda or Udemy or whatever you're on, you know, they're, they're kind of, kind of forced into your course by their program right so i, yeah. I definitely prefer you yeah. know either do workshops or you know like ladies learning code here uh locally i'll mentor or yeah. lead a session and stuff so yeah no if i couldn't work with computers i think i would i would love to to do more speaking and teaching and, and stuff like that so nice yeah well we are certainly cut from the same cloth there i uh i always said in college especially grad school i'm a little bit too social to be the best programmer I, you know, it's, and that's a trade off yep. I'm happy to make because it's, you know, it's, I'm an extrovert and I'm like energized yep. by crowds and seeing people. So I, I couldn't spend exactly. all time. Whereas my, my wife is like, no, I will not. So. I, crowds, you know, are, are the opposite. They take energy away. Yeah. Right. So, uh, but that took a few years because, yeah, you yeah. know, I did software engineering programming since I was 12. You know, it just, it just felt like I, I mm -hmm. should do that because that's what everyone expects. I should just always be at the computer, but then realizing, you know, that, right. that disconnect <laughs> between, you know, like, uh, yeah. you know, amazing, super well-structured code versus, you know, the, the business end of it and, you know, what, what people actually care about and the value they get from that code. Again, like you said, it, yep. it, it needs to be reasonably structured. So when you go to make changes, you can do so in a reasonable amount of time. Uh, but at the end of the day, it doesn't <laughs> need to, you know, over architecting and, and yeah, spending all your time on that. And it, like you said, you don't, you don't get to interact with as many human beings uh, as possible. So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And as a, as a closing note, I will say that I spent the first few years out of grad school teaching in-person college classes it was a, a course called Computer Information Literacy. It was required for all freshmen. They had to take it. Uh, it was like a beginner computer course. And I thrived at the challenge of making them interested in that class because nobody yes. wants to take that class. It's a class they have to take. And uh, luckily, I don't know, I, maybe it was just like I was young enough, like I was fresh out of school myself. And maybe it's just that, you know, we have that teaching yeah. personality, right? You are, you're passionate about it. We're not just teaching the textbook, but it was, it, it was very interesting. It's a big yes. challenge, right? Cause you can't always assume that they know what you think they know, but it's, it's another interesting challenge. So that's, I'd love to get back into the classroom. Uh, one day I'm pretty close to Villanova nice. university here. So maybe I'll see, I'll see if you <laughs> adjunct to that. But, see if you can um, sneak in. Anyway. Go from there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right. Just I think I think I know somebody around here. I'm Italian. I gotta know a guy, right? So. Just cook him some lasagna, and you got a job. You're good. Yeah, exactly. Hey, yeah. So cool. Well, Brian, thank you so much. We are uh, now at the end of part two 
uh, of this two-parter on developing plugins and uh, specifically uh, event, cal- event, yes, calendar event calendar newsletter, newsletter yes. and the events calendar shortcode pro and then Chimpridge as well. Yes. Brian, thanks so much for joining me today. Uh, thanks to everybody who tuned in to this two-part series on plugin development. Hopefully you've gotten the inspiration that you need to get out there and build your own premium plugin. Uh, and if you have been enjoying the show, uh, why don't you get out there over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and review. I would really appreciate it because it helps people discover the show. Uh, and plus, I love hearing from from listeners like you uh, about what I'm doing, what I can do better, what you like about the show, things like that. So get over there uh, and please leave a rating and a review. Maybe I'll read it on the air. Uh, so thanks thanks to you for listening. Thanks to Brian for being on the show. Thanks to our sponsors, uh, Liquid Web and Modern Tribe. Definitely check them out. They're both great, great companies. And until next time, get out there and build something.